Hello, I'm Kieran Lynch, and welcome to Lovicast, the Chocolate Sheep Podcast. Each episode will bring us insights, advice, and technical updates for the sheep industry. While Maiden finished up on the majority of lowland farms, our attention turns to an often overlooked area of human management, and that's management during mid-pregnancy. Discussing this importance, I'm joined by Professor Tommy Boland from UCD. Tommy starts off by discussing the importance of assessing your condition. Why is a key management tool, but one that's often overlooked at farm level? He discusses the variation in your condition we see within flocks and the importance of managing a yo's body reserves during this period. We discuss the effects of yo condition, particularly on performance during early lactation, and the potential carryover effects for the rest of the season. We finish up discussing flock management during the common weeks, with Tommy offering his views on the need to address any deficit in yo condition before yo's enter late pregnancy. We start off, however, with Tommy highlighting its importance at this key stage of the season. We're focusing on the yolk condition during mid-pregnancy. And I think it's sometimes an area that's, that's overlooked. We're all quite conscious of what happens in late pregnancy. And we're, we're certainly all probably conscious of what happens in the lead up to mating. And sometimes that, that window in between up to mid-pregnancy can, can be forgotten about. Partly because it's the time of the year and, you know, we can use our yolks on the farm as kind of a clean-up tool at that stage. But... It's important that we don't forget about managing the yolks during that window. And I suppose with your nutrition and with management of body condition score, it all depends on your starting point. And if we have our yolks in the correct condition at mating time, then it really will influence how we can manage those yolks from mating up to mid-pregnancy. You mentioned condition score there, Tommy. We widely acknowledge it's probably one of the most useful practical tools for managing a flock. But it's not really put into practice in a lot of cases. You you were involved in a study a number of years ago, so you would have looked at that in a bit more detail, but we know the uptake of it is not great. Yeah, that's right. Uh, when Alan Bohan conducted his PhD thesis, he travelled around to farmer discussion groups and he did a really thorough uh, survey of, of management practices on farm. You know, and if bear in mind, these are farmers who are engaged with discussion groups, and only about two-thirds of those farmers are actually measuring body condition score on their flock um, on a routine basis, which certainly surprised me at the time for a couple of reasons. Firstly, it's it's free technology. It's something you can do. You don't need to have expensive equipment. You don't need to buy a supplement to do it. You know, so it, it's a free technology. And I think, you know, there's a lot of evidence from, from right around the world to show that, you know, if you can improve your body condition score of your, of your flock, that you will see production responses. You will see a better output as, as a result of doing that. And the third point I'd say about body condition scoring and, and target saying here is that we often talk about an average and we say we need our yos to have an average body condition score at mating of 3.5. But we also need to be conscious of the variation in body condition score within the yo flock. And it, it's really that, that lighter cohort or the, the cohort of yos which are in poorer condition that we should probably start looking at for a little bit of um, I suppose preferential treatment or treating them somewhat separately in the remainder of the flock. Essentially, Tommy, from the period from now up until scanning them, the aim really, I suppose, most farms should be to minimise the amount of conditions score loss and trying to maintain it as much as possible. Yes, I, I would agree with that, Kieran. Some work from the UK conducted in the in the nineties uh, and perhaps a little bit earlier back into the eighties would show that where yos lose body condition score in big pregnancy, it can have a beneficial effect on placental development. Uh, which is subsequently going to improve land birth weight. 
Unfortunately, what's often lost in that message is the fact that our DO must be in a target body condition score of 3.5 at mating. Then over the second and third month of pregnancy, it is acceptable to allow that DO to gradually lose half a body condition score. However, we need to be very careful about putting that forward as an industry-wide recommendation, because if that DO is not in the target body condition score of 3.5 at mating, then actually having that yo or having a flock of yo's lose body condition score in mid-pregnancy will be detrimental on the outcome for both the yo and the lamb. It's fair to say in that scenario as well, that's a yo that has condition obviously to begin with, but that's also yo whose nutritional requirements have been met during late pregnancy. Yes, and you know, you're bringing an important point there with, with the late pregnancy nutrition and, you know, we all know that late pregnancy is a time of, of huge demand uh, for the yo in terms of our energy requirements and our protein requirements. And you know what I would be very keen to do is whatever body condition and whatever body reserves that Joe has at scanning time, that they're maintained through the late pregnancy period and they're available to the O to utilize in early lactation. And those body reserves will have a really important role to play in early lactation. If we burn those off through late pregnancy, then they're not going to be there in lactation. If they're not there for early lactation, one of two things will happen. We will either have to feed concentrates and, and quite a lot of concentrates to optimize lamb performance, or if we don't feed concentrates, then lamb performance is going to suffer. Just, I'm thinking in terms of that, like there's a whole other idea with condition score that it can be a vicious cycle. If you lose it, it's difficult to put on, as we know, particularly at this stage of the season. But we take that scenario you outlined, if you don't have it at Lamentum and we have that negative consequence, the carryover effect of that on the following seasons, well, tell me, like, it's not just in many cases a one-off, you know, I got it wrong this year. There is a bit of a knock-on effect in some of these cases. There is, and there's a knock-on effect, in, I suppose, in, in two ways, Kieran. First of all, if you don't have that body reserve in the yoga to mobilise in any lactation and you're not feeding concentrates, uh, 2DO, then her milk production potential is reduced. And again, there's loads of data to, to support that, the importance of having, having body reserves in early lactation. If you take an 80 kilogram yo who's mobilizing 100 grams of body weight per day in early lactation, that's equivalent to about 250 grams of concentrates. You know, so it's a, it's a really important energy reserve. If that's not there, her milk production is negatively impacted, which means her lamb growth rate is negatively impacted. So what's the knock-on effect of that? Those lambs are going to be on your farm for longer because that young lamb, that's the most efficient animal on any sheep farm. So if you don't capture that growth potential at that stage, it could take you four, five, six times longer in September and October to achieve the same amount of gain as it does in the first month of pregnancy. So that's, you have your lambs then in the back end competing with your yos for grass reserves. And then the second problem, if you burn off those reserves in late pregnancy and they're not there in lactation, the yo is under more pressure to support lamb performance. So she continues to lose reserves, placing her in a very poor body condition score at mating time, making it much more difficult for her to recover that, sorry, placing her in a low body condition score at, at weaning time, placing her under much more pressure to recover her body reserves uh, for the subsequent mating, meaning that potentially her litter size in that subsequent mating is reduced or she falls out of the flock because she doesn't become pregnant.
there's carryover implications and if we bring it back to the current context it's something else you mentioned earlier typically at this stage of year it's a low input time on farms most of the lambs are moved off it when the oats are out cleaning up farms um, many mixed farms are in the country other way at grass that taking eye off the ball happens at this time of year it's one of the pitfalls just in terms of meeting requirements you know in difficult winters we'll often say particularly in wet winters it can be difficult enough to meet requirements or maybe we expect too much of the ground we put sheep to how big of an impact, Tommy, does that have as a whole flock context? But maybe you mentioned like that vulnerable group in that scenario. You know, the older you, the broken mouth you, or maybe a tin hogget coming in that wasn't in ideal condition at joining. Yeah. So I suppose that that's, if you would call it that vulnerable group, but that group that may require some preferential treatment, there's, there's a couple of issues there here. And the first thing is to identify them. Okay. And if you have animals which, which are a little bit under condition of mating, the opportunity to gain condition in those animals occurs kind of up to about day 100 of pregnancy. You know, that's up roughly around the time you would scan the yolks. After that, you have very limited opportunities to, to allow those yolks uh, to gain condition, simply because the requirements for the lamb in late pregnancy uh, are so high that you really have to go in with a very high level of feeding to allow that yo uh, to gain condition. So, the window is between kind of mating and, and that scanning time. There's, there's two other things at play then when it comes to the nutritional value in our grass at this time of the year. And perennial ryegrass and grass, they're, they're fantastic plants and fantastic feeds, but they do lose some of their energy value as the season progresses. So from about August, September onwards, the, the energy content in those grasses will naturally decline. And then and if you combine that with the very wet weather we've been having in the last month or six weeks, at least over my side of the country, you're going to reduce grass utilization. And we have some work that your colleague Frank Campy conducted up in, up in lines a few years ago, uh, which showed that when grass is very wet, you know, so when you have two or three days of continuous rainfall, the intake capacity of the oak can be reduced by as much as 33%. You know, so we need to be very careful that we're not asking our yo are expecting too much of our yo at this time of year when it's wet, when grass quality has deteriorated, and when grass utilization is also quite low due to the fact that soil conditions are starting to cut up underfoot and you're leading to siding of the grass and, and reduced intake from that direction. So, so at this stage, like, it's, it's very much a case of going through that flock and maybe coming up with a separate management plan for those tinner yo. So, you know, the whole fit tin fat argument. There is an argument going in at the moment of isolating them tinnerios and perhaps housing them earlier, Tommy, or certainly maybe not pushing them as tight at this stage of the season. Yeah, and, and listen here, you know, we all strive for simplicity in our production systems and, you know, we don't want to be generating unnecessary additional groups on farm, but I wouldn't see this as an unnecessary additional group. You know, th this huge kind of performance benefits to be achieved and, and economic benefits to be obtained by targeting that, you know, lower 25, 30% of the flock. So whatever mechanism applies at an individual farm level to, to prioritize those animals, give them some additional feeding, you know, it, it should be applied. On some farms that might be housing, on some farms it might be, you know, kind of using a almost a leader follower system where, where the sheep get, the, 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 the thinner sheep get priority access to, to the new break of grass and then the larger cohort coming behind them and clean up or it may even result in some concentrated supplementation 
at farm level. It, it's up to each farmer to identify what works best on their farm. But you know, the data and, and the experience and, and, and the evidence shows that if you preferentially target that bottom performing cohort of the flock, uh, that you will see production and, and performance benefits as a result. And I suppose the key point in that is there is still a window between now and scanning to address some of them issues. There is, there, abs- there absolutely is. And, you know, as I said before, now is the time to address it. Once you get into the last two months of pregnancy, trying to gain condition, you really have to go very heavy with the feeding, which can lead to other problems um, as well if, if, if you don't gain that condition now in the first half of pregnancy. Tommy, great to get your insights on the whole topic. Plenty to focus on for the coming weeks for farmers. Thanks, Kieran. Good to chat to you. Okay, we'll have to finish things up at this point. Again, that's Tommy Hailyhead. You know, assessing your condition is one of the most useful management tools you have at farm level. Taking an example at the moment of assessing your condition, putting a plan in place to deal with some of them tenios, whether it be preferential grazing, earlier supplementation, earlier housing, it will pay dividends in the long run, both in terms of performance, health of the sheep, and overall profitability for your flock. Certainly, it's well worthwhile practice. I would like to thank Tommy again for sharing his insights with us, great deal of experience in the area, and I'd like to thank him for giving up his time with us for this podcast. That's it for me. For any updates from the Sheep Programme, keep an eye on our Twitter page at Chocolate Sheep. I'm Kieran Lynch. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe and listen in to any of our episodes.